0: Hey everybody, thanks for downloading this episode of Retrograding. We're going to get you right into the episode, but we gosh darn done it again. We forgot to do our plugs, so here they are for you now. If you could have us spread the word, that would be great. Give us a good review on iTunes. You can find us on Facebook by searching Retrograding. You can find us on Twitter at at RetrogradingPod, and you can find us online at retrograding.fireside.fm. Our music is done by Dominique Barnes. You can find her at Dominique A. Barnes on SoundCloud if you'd like to contact her or hear more thirdly our episode once again ran long so look for our episode next week where we discuss what film is coming up next that's it for now we'll get you into the episode but you'll hear me at the end let's go this is carl this is mark
1: and this is sarah
0: and this is retrograding Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood movies. This week, we are taking a look at Hook to see if our nostalgia is warranted. Mark, you're going to start us off with a 60-second synopsis of the plot. Are you ready? Probably not. Perfect, as always. (laughs) Uh All right, I got a timer here. So I'll count you down. Three, two, one,
2: go. Peter Banning is a middle-aged lawyer who loves his family, but in his effort to provide for them, his job keeps him too busy to spend time with them. After promising to see his son Jack's baseball game, he fails to show up, prompting his son to despise him. The family flies to London so Peter and his wife Moira can attend a charity function for Wendy Darling, Moira's grandmother. Upon returning from the charity function, they find their children have been kidnapped. It is at this time that Wendy tries to convince Peter that he is, in fact, grown-up Peter Pan, he scoffs at this idea but later that night he is met by Tinkerbell, who brings him to neverland tink works out a deal with captain hook that he will allow them three days to make peter remember who he is so pan and hook can have a final glorious war peter meets the lost boys and a training montage ensues in the meantime hook decides to get peter's kids to love him Peter comes to realize he is the Pan and confronts Hook. The Lost Boys and Pirates join the battle, and during the fray, Rufio is killed by Hook. Peter Pan prevails and leaves Thudbutt in charge of the Lost Boys before flying back to Earth. Upon returning home, we see Peter as a changed man and is willing to ignore his job to spend more time having fun with his family.
0: Oh, just over. Two seconds, but nice (laughs) and succinct.
2: Makes me feel good because now I'm not the only one who has
0: failed at this game. Though you have succeeded one time where I have not.
2: And... Well, and while I actually read through it about five times practicing and crossed stuff off, and I got it under a minute once, And but I think I read it slower this time because it's easier to enunciate.
0: Yeah, with the uh, the one that I did, I knew I was going to go over it by at least five seconds. I just couldn't eliminate any more and still have the plot succinct. But anyways, let's go into long form. So what did you guys see in Hook as adults that you missed as children?
1: Uh, I think the first thing I noticed is A lot of the things they were trying to showcase that to show that Peter had um, become more adult and was kind of a jerk to his family because he was this workaholic seemed less like workaholic, like not part of the family man. And more just this man had extreme anxiety and probably needed some drugs. Half of the things he yelled at his son about were things he was just like, don't fall out a window. We're going to die in a plane crash. (laughs) Things like that. I'm like, yeah.
2: Okay. I felt like okay, he was just really uh, nervous and paranoid all the time but I'm noticing I don't remember exactly how I felt as a kid but I remember that it was all about him just being an angry old man when I was a kid and then he would changed into somebody who loved his family by the end but watching it this time it's more like I can relate to it because you get a job and that's your job. So so you're kind of dedicated to this thing that you, you're obligated to go in there and do your job all the time. Maybe you won't have time to do some of those things with your family, even if you want to.
1: And they do show him trying.
2: Yes. Because so- he did show up at the baseball game. It was just too late and everyone was gone already. And he was
0: present at the play, but he had to take a phone call during the middle of it. Yes. To me, uh, his workaholic nature, like I get the paranoia with him, afraid of flying, afraid of his son standing near a window. For his workaholic nature, we see him at work with the people there, and there is a big camaraderie between them uh, in that when he is leaving, he is met by like a group of his employees. They all travel together. They see him off to the elevator. And to me, this was a good parallel between uh, the Lost Boys in Neverland. So Peter is still trying to have fun or doing his responsibilities with his group, and it's taking him away from having a human relationship with his wife, just like Neverland took him away from Wendy.
1: See, I saw it more as just it was showing how important he was at work, that he's built himself up, that he can't get away. Like, everyone depends on him. And I think part of that that I realized this time that I wasn't thinking about, obviously when I was a kid, because it didn't really apply, is the fact that he doesn't have that childhood we're talking about oh he doesn't remember how to be a kid he literally doesn't remember how to be a kid he has no memories from the time before he was 13 and so it's not just oh he's gotten busy and he's grown up and he's he's forgotten his inner child he literally doesn't have it anymore until he goes back to neverland and i'm wondering if that
2: that's something about neverland because at one point while they're there maggie was talking to Jack while they're on the pirate ship and she said that Neverland makes you forget. So she's like don't forget home, remember our parents.
0: Yeah, so. Neverland has weird rules about memory. It has weird rules about aging which aren't really
2: established. They're just referenced. Yeah. I wonder I think it's just cuz everybody already knows the story. So I wonder <laughs> yeah.
1: if Maggie has an easier time remembering because she's still completely a child where you have Jack who's kind of I mean they never specifically say how how old he is but he's probably getting close to the age his father was when he left and so maybe the fact that they're kind of on that cusp of being adult that's when it starts to really affect your memory and, and you have to make that choice and it's not affecting Maggie because she's still like seven.
0: Yeah another thing I consider that could certainly be the case is that Maggie is more well versed within the the pan lore mm-hmm. having just been in a play about it and having read it with uh the actual Wendy uh sometime previous.
1: Who, can we talk about how Maggie Smith is the
0: best. Oh, she is always the best. Yes, I I loved her her in this.
1: I want her to narrate my life.
0: There is a specific line in here that I think only Maggie Smith can deliver and still be charming about it. Uh, It's where they're actually reading the story of Pan. Maggie looks up to her and says, you're really old. And Maggie Smith just goes, that's very true. It was the most Maggie Smith (laughs) thing in the movie.
1: (laughs) I want all of my like... Life-changing news to be delivered by Maggie Smith because she's so caring and so calm and so British about it. Like when she's trying to tell Peter, she's just like, "I just I want Maggie Smith to to tell me everything, to read me to sleep, to tell me big changes."
2: But but Morgan Freeman.
0: No no. Yeah, but Morgan Freeman's not in this movie, Mark.
1: I will take Maggie Smith <laughs> over true. Morgan
0: Freeman. But there is so much good talent in this film. Maggie Smith is one of them. Yes. Bob Hoskins I'll is love a, him. a fantastic schmee. And Dustin Hoffman is chewing the scenery every time he appears on screen as Hook. I loved him in this. And I, I love that they didn't try to recreate Hook or change him in any way. He is insane and evil and it works perfectly.
1: And I think this is possibly one of the best Robin Williams performances, just in the fact that for the most part, it's so subtle compared to a lot of his other Mm. roles. Like, I love him in other things, but Mm -hmm. like the emotional changes you see in him through that thing and just some of the really quiet things when he's thinking about his family and thinking about his memories, Mm. so subtle, so good.
2: Absolutely. I found a lot of reviews were saying that, and I don't remember this from when it came out, but I guess it was not very highly regarded when it originally came out. And I'm looking at at it now it's like you've got all these big name actors in it first of all and some of them are doing their best performances like you could recognize many of them from other movies but you can tell they're a completely different character in this than anything that they've done before and it works for me it's just it shows the talent of those actors to me that they could be someone completely different than you've seen in any other movie
0: yeah i don't get that at all because it's it's directed by steven spielberg the sound uh composer is john williams and the music is fantastic in it oh yes you have big named actors and actresses like acting their heart out and like you said i made a note about your uh robin williams comment sarah how a lot of his stuff is really subtle there's a brilliant moment when he rediscovers the bedroom where he entered the real world and met wendy uh because he he goes to the window like his gateway to neverland basically and his wife calls his name and Peter is tense, wondering what's wrong. He turns around, and he takes his uh, his pan stance with his mm. arms akimbo. And his wife said, work is calling. When he hears this, his shoulders slouch, he puts his hands in his pocket, and he kind of shuffles off. Like, him accepting that responsibility just deflates him. And it's a tiniest thing, but it's brilliant and works perfectly. And,
1: and you're so used to Robin Williams being like, he's such a character actor and he does the big... What Dustin Hoffman is doing in this one is normally his role is the chewing the scenery, being the crazy one. And to see him in such... Just, it's very little facial expressions, but they tell you everything you need to about the scene. It's just, it's so great. I love it.
0: There's so many of these little moments immediately following that one that I mentioned just now. Wendy comes out dressed for the the award ceremony, asking Peter if he likes her dress. Clearly she is referencing something that Pan commented on when she was a kid because Tinkerbell does the same thing when they're in Neverland. And he just, he says, it's great in passing on his way to the bedroom. And this crushes her because he didn't even look at her. Like the first act of this movie is perfect. I tried to find fault with it. Like I tried to find little things in the plot that didn't make sense. And I couldn't. Now, granted, it is like note for note the hero's journey as described by Joseph Campbell, but like it works. There's a reason why movies are made this way, and it's because they're very compelling and fun to watch.
1: And I thought the kids were really good. Normally, like, kid actors are pretty hit and miss, and there's some times when they're like, oh, they're definitely kid actors overacting. But the fact that, um, Shoot, what? Maggie is like the very innocent, she knows all the things she still really believes, and then you have Jack is starting to grow into his more adult personality and he's got he's got some really great sarcastic lines that are perfect for that like pre-teenage like when he's telling maggie smith about the uses for the baseball glove and he's like you can catch things with it you can hit your sister <laughs>
0: you can pull things out of the oven yeah, yeah it's, it's brilliant
2: i you know and it's funny re-watching these movies which i will probably notice again in as we keep doing this but i remember watching that and feel like i i was probably about his age maybe when this came out or somewhere around there and now i look back and i'm like they just look so young and i don't remember them seeming that young when i watched it before
0: yeah i i honestly remember the boy being a little bit of a snot and that's that's not the case in the film i think it's because a lot of his scenes are hard to watch like for a kid there are very troubling emotional moments in this film where like Robin Williams is yelling at his children or like his children are giving up on him uh like the scene uh where he is smashing his father's clock Uh. because his dad couldn't make any time for him or the scene where Peter is given a challenge by Hook where all he has to do is go up and touch his children with an outstretched arm and they can go home safe and he can't do it. He is inches away, and he gives up on them.
1: And and that's the big point that Captain Hook takes advantage of, because that's what he says is the fact that, why didn't he rescue you? And Jack's like, he was right there, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't to us and that's the real remembering that moment is what kind of brings about that change to where jack's like no i'm gonna go with captain hook is that kind of moment
2: and then you get the the baseball game in neverland when jack jack actually hits the home run and then they they all are cheering and hook stands up and says my jack and so and peter's standing there watching from a hidden position behind them and he's like but it's my jack and it's i think that point is when he realizes what's happening and he says okay now i have to actually try hard because i want to beat this guy yeah
0: he had been training up until that point but he was also kind of learning to have fun with the kids and that moment is where he decides oh my god i have to be a father first i'm losing my children so before we get too far in i do have a, a few notes on the beginning particularly the the plane that they take to london there is a uh, a neat little moment they put in where the, the captain is speaking and it's Dustin yeah. Hoffman's voice as the captain. And then it's well-worn territory, but worth putting out. Uh, when they fly to Neverland, the two people kissing on the bridge are Carrie Fisher and George Lucas. I
1: do have a note about there's a million cameos in this. Um, one, oh, of, yeah. one of my notes at the beginning is just shut up, Phil Collins, because he plays the cop. Yes. who's just like, oh, it's probably are you sure it's not a prank? And I'm like, yes, the small children... Well, he's, like, making it seem to me like, oh, did the kids just do this and, like, run away as a prank? Yes, the small elementary school children wrote a full calligraphy letter to freak out their parents i'm sure that's what happened phil collins
0: yeah and then you also have glenn close dressed up as a
2: man
1: yeah <laughs>
2: yeah i i didn't i was looking through the castles and i was, I thought i his face looked familiar when i was watching the movie but i'm like there's something just weird about. yeah the look it's a it.
0: little bit off the beard is fake and looks a little too yeah. fake
2: and that's what i just thought it looked weird but i didn't realize until later on when i saw the cast list and i was like what what <laughs> So I had to go look again. There's also
1: David Crosby from Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young and the Birds as one of the pirates. Um, In one of the scenes, he is like the long live hook guy. And I recognize him mm. because I know that band, but I'm just like, what is he doing here? Is he just friends <laughs> with Steven Spielberg? Did he just like, yeah, all my friends, come.
0: Yes, come be pirates. Why not? You might get famous so that, that just
2: goes back. I mean, not only are the main people big name actors, but then you have cameos well, by all of these big and names. also this was like also, uh, so Gwyneth Paltrow.
0: Exactly. Yes. This is her
2: first film as young Wendy.
1: I mean, it's not surprising that she would get stuck in that. Both her parents were famous. She's the second generation kid but it is it's just she's so young in it
0: oh but surprisingly with all these big name actors even in cameo parts like they're not garish at all about it like they all fit in it all works together like the puzzle pieces fit
1: it's, it's and it's one of those things they're cameos that you don't necessarily notice unless you're told and are looking for them because it's not like they're like pointing an arrow at it and being like hey guys hey look who we got to cameo look look what famous people we know they're just kind of there
0: right and a lot of like these cameo films Sharknado 2 comes to mind or even the uh the Mighty Ducks film with uh Mighty Ducks 2 where they went to all the celebrities like they give good face time to this high named star and like you're supposed to recognize them and if you don't that moment doesn't work the one time they do that in this movie is the first time they reveal Hook because they they travel along with his his sharpened Hook which is getting sharpened in town and that lead-in it gives you enough suspense, it builds the foreshadowing, and it when you see his face, like, it pays off well.
1: I did write a note for that scene when they're bringing the hook that Smee seems to be a popular man with all the prostitutes.
0: Yeah, that is <laughs> one fault in the film, that women aren't well represented.
1: Well, I don't know if that's true. I, I think it's just all of the pirates in that thing are, because Mora, I think, is greatly...
0: Yes, Moira Moira is good. I will grant I you that. I think
1: Tinkerbell is fine. So
0: Tink and Wendy I have a problem with because the, the entire movie, they're kind of fawning over Peter.
1: Except for remember the scene, the first scene that made me cry in this movie is when all the orphans stand up at the banquet mm. and they all stand up and say, no, this the only reason any of this happened is because of Wendy. And even Peter, when they talk about it, the only reason any of this movie happened is because Wendy was kind of the catalyst. I think she's more of the catalyst to a lot of the plot than he is and but I did I almost cried when he's like she saved all these orphans and you probably can't stand up and literally the entire room stands up and says Wendy is who saved us uh,
0: yeah that moment definitely got me too uh that moment and the moment following where they come back to the house the door is broken into the entire wall leading up to the staircase has this huge gouge in it where Hook must have been dragging his hook up the wall. Why
1: it needed sharpened later.
0: Yeah. uh, And then Liza, who is the the, kind of the the nanny caretaker character, is standing outside the door on the floor. And her line is chilling because she describes, the wind came up and closed the door on me and the children were screaming. And it just uh, breaks your heart because you know they're going to bust in there. And the children are going to be gone.
1: But no, I think going back to how women are treated, I think Wendy is... They mentioned so many times, yeah, Peter's the main character, but they keep talking about a lot of the reasons, even for Hook, why all of this is happening is, Maggie says at the very end, she said, he's just a man who never had a mother. And I think that that brings it back to everything's about Wendy. Wendy became the mother for all of these people, for the Lost Boys, and then for her orphans, and now for for her great-grandchildren and Peter. And that is what makes him different than Hook is the fact that he was given that mother eventually. And Wendy gave Interesting. that to him. Because they talk about Hook is so mad and Maggie keeps bringing up the reason that we're different is we have parents who love us. And she sings a song where she's like, our mom used to sing it. And it's the one thing that almost brings Jack back at one point is her singing that song. And so I think really they're not as big a characters, but I think really emotionally it all ties back to to Windy and the female members of her family and being that emotional tieback that brings them back at the
0: end. That's very interesting, and I do think it's true. Though for me, the catalyst was Hook himself, and perhaps the motivation was that he didn't have a mother. But to me, Hook is just incredibly bored because you, the first time you see his ship, you also see all the other ships hanging of all the pirates that he has defeated over the years when they go into the clock shop, he shows a clock specifically, uh, the clock sat in the bedroom of this famous pirate that he destroyed in battle. And he just wants one more glorious battle so that he can die in glory. And so he is going after his arch nemesis, the one person who has ever defeated him before and stolen a hand so that he can get this final battle. Now, it may be that he is making these decisions because he doesn't, have a mother but to me that's why he goes into the world that's why when peter tries to leave without doing the battle because jack turns to him and says dad let's just go home and he flies him away hook threatens his entire lineage like i will go after your children's children's children i will have my final battle but
1: i think it's not i don't think it really has anything to do with Hook for peter peter doesn't care about hook Hook cares about Peter because he's obsessive with everything with the crocodile thing. But I think for the main character, the main focal point is that idea of family, which ties all the way back to Wendy. I think Wendy is that cornerstone of that idea.
0: Agreed. But the inciting incident is Hook related. But I don't think so because
1: I think all of that was building up before that. I think more of the inciting incident is... Peter Pan forgetting who he is. I think that's more a catalyst to everything than Hook is. I
0: think if Peter Pan remembered who he was, but remained in the main world, Hook would still come after him.
1: But I don't think in this movie, if you got rid of Hook, if you change it to be any other bad guy, the m- core of the movie would stay the same. If you change the yes. point about the family, it'd be an entirely different movie. So really for Peter Pan, Hook doesn't matter. Hmm. It's not about Hook. Hmm. It's about finding that connection back to his family. Because that's...
2: Even though the name of the movie is Hook. Right. Well,
1: they need it to just have... It, it's it's marketing. You need something yeah, well, people can they, latch they on to. They couldn't
2: call it Peter Pan 2, the, the sequel. Because that had already... Was it
1: already? No. That, it? I think that was Dude, later. God.
2: There, was an, an, there was an animated I one. I think that okay. was late 90s. But, but one of the
0: things this film does brilliantly is the screenwriters were tasked with a major challenge in that they had to recreate a character. You have to make a story about Peter Pan that is not a story that we have already seen before. And uh, one of the taglines will tie into this, not the one I wrote, but one of the actual film, uh, the story that came up with, well, how can we change Peter Pan? What if Peter Pan grew up? The one thing that Peter Pan has promised never to do. And starting with that base, They build the entire story around it to explain how he grew up, where he grew up, and
2: why he has to return to Neverland one last time. But I think they did a good job of that because they do have the flashback scenes where you see Wendy growing old and he comes back and then you see why he ended up being in the real world and growing up.
0: Well, I have a problem with the flashback scene. The rest of the movie, I genuinely enjoy. Like the flashback scene happens at the 95 minute mark. Up until then, I could not find fault with this film. It was incredibly enjoyable. All the scenes in it are interesting, keep the story moving. They're important to the story. You can't remove any single one and continue. The flashback to me ruins the character of Peter Pan. How so? In that, The way we see this happen is Peter is a baby, at most one year old, in a stroller. His mom is talking about his future and the wind blows him down a hill. He has a terrible mother in that the mother doesn't notice and doesn't run after him because we later catch up with him. The next scene is nighttime because a street lamp is on. The carriage has subsequently crashed into a stone landing and the baby is sitting in the middle in the rain. And then Tink comes and takes him off to Neverland. To me, it ruins the character because at one year old, he had no agency. Like he's not in a decision making position. Except he so said he that he did. He said that he did. A one year old can't move its own but this carriage. But is...
1: Magic realism. That's,
2: and that's what I was confused about during that, though, is I decided to leave, so the wind blew me away, and that, that was something that I never understood about it. The
0: problem I have in how this changes the character is that Peter didn't choose Neverland. He wasn't guided there like Wendy. He was taken there, much like his children in this film.
1: I would say that since I was coming at from from more of a magic realism standpoint, that i would believe the things he said that he said he made that choice yes he was a baby but this is also a play where a taxidermied crocodile eats a person
0: right but if you if you never grow up in neverland how did you get from baby to 10 11 or 12 whatever peter pan's age actually is
1: i i say it's magic realism and you kind of just let it go We also don't understand how Captain Hook gets a fake tan, but that happens.
0: (laughs) It's also weird that Tinkerbell is trying to have relations with him, given that she brought him up from
2: a baby. I never understood that point. That's
0: that's the immediately following scene to this. And it's also a scene I have problems
2: with you remember yeah i did not that was the one scene that i don't care for at all to finish off the flashback
0: there the other part of the flashback we see is his decision to stay his this is an awkward scene for me because he flies in and maggie has gotten old and we had to watch her growing old as he just stayed the same age and kept visiting her and slowly her heart is breaking in that she can no longer enjoy his adventures She said earlier in the film she was half expecting him to fly in on her wedding day and interrupt the nuptials. So we see her prevent it from moving on from its love interest because he keeps visiting willy-nilly throughout the course of her life. Now, he then spies her granddaughter in the bed sleeping. And in an instant, in front of this woman who was previously in love with him, he says, yes, that's the one for me. I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this girl She has a line saying, no, Peter, I can't have you breaking her heart once she realizes that she can't keep you, meaning this is something Wendy has previously experienced. And then Peter kisses her in her sleep while Wendy watches. This is awkward. I took
1: it as more. Yes, Wendy is sad, but I think I don't think she's as heartbroken as you make it out. I think she's more sad in the way that people are sad looking back on childhood memories like thinking about their first loves or thinking about people they don't meet anymore. And I think really a lot of her sadness is she feels more sad for Peter. She's gotten to grow up and have these other adventures and he keeps coming back, not changing. And she's she's moved on. She never said, she expected him to be there. She never said that it was going to change how she felt about her husband. Just that he didn't understand that things were changing when she did. And that's why he kept coming back and coming back. And so I think it was more sadness and nostalgia for for being past her childhood and feeling sad for the fact that Peter was never going to understand that because at the time she figured he's just going to keep growing, keep in Neverland and never grow and never have, he never got to share those adult adventures with her because he didn't learn how to change. And so I think it was more sadness for both of them, but sadness for Peter as well. And I don't think she was, like, hopelessly in love with him. I think it was more this first love tied to those childhood memories.
0: Yes, though part of me believes she still has some affection for him in that way, given that when she makes the reveal that uh, when she is about to make the reveal that he is, in fact, Peter Pan, they have a scene where they are face to face and there is there is some tension there for her that Peter has to go, Grandma, like he doesn't realize the connection that she obviously still has for him.
1: But I wonder, like, it is, it, that scene was a little weird, but I wonder if they were trying to use it as foreshadowing in the being very close and having that physical connection. Because when he does, they do finally recognize him in Neverland. It's another scene of people being very, very close up to his face and and having to see in his eyes that boy he still was. It was another scene of needing that physical connection to try to break through to him. Because they do it, in that scene, they do it when the Lost Boys look at his face and say, no, I see him in his eyes.
0: Well, one Lost Boy. Well. Uh, it is their take on a magical black man, which is a magical black child.
1: No, I think it was just, he was the most innocent. And he. I think that's also why he gets the sword in the end. Is, I think he is the one.
2: Nope, nope, he sure didn't. Oh, it was the small the, one, right. The large child.
1: <laughs> I think it was maybe just the one who, and I also probably was just, which one of these children can read that many lines well enough as a small child? Because I think he wanted the very smallest to kind of still have this, be able to see that in him. And one of the other kids that was really small in that size could not read lines very well. So they <laughs> didn't want to give him that one.
0: No, though he does have the wonderful line. Peter Pan's God's kids, which I still so genuinely I always enjoy.
2: expected it would be him at the end when, you know, he goes down the line trying to... And I always thought it was going to be him and it never was.
1: Well, apparently they didn't write that. Robin Williams just I gave a sword to someone.
2: I Before when I would watch this movie, you know, he's poking at Peter's face and pulling on him and stuff. And I never really thought... I was just like, well, he's right in his face for no reason. I, I think really what he's doing is trying to smooth out the wrinkles on his face to make him look... Y- younger so they can recognize the young Peter Pan's face and I never noticed that before until I watched it this time. And now you have
1: wrinkles and you can understand. <laughs> I will Great, say thanks. going back to that thing you didn't like before in the flashback. Yeah. I googled it in the book it says he ran away from his parents when he was a baby so I don't think we can blame this one on that I think we have to blame uh, Barry for this one.
2: But it's the filming of it then is wrong because the wind blew him away and Tinkerbell carried him off he didn't yeah
0: really well, maybe do anything it's to- it would work for me if he was just a bit older like if he could walk this would make sense to me
1: but it does say in the thing that he was a baby if he could walk he would no longer be a baby he would be a toddler
0: yeah so to me that doesn't make sense also
1: but you can't blame them you have to blame jm barry
0: fine i will blame jm barry. barry then it's, it's i just want him to have some agency uh, to me it would be far more interesting if he was born in neverland or like he was the son of a pirate in some way like, but now me, you're trying to rewrite. They,
1: they weren't trying to rewrite his backstory. They were yes. To, they just. Yes, and the backstory was his-
0: well established in a play and in a book, and they do good um, fan service there. In that, this film starts with the play on stage as performed by Peter's daughter. Uh, I think Wendy holds an original 1911 publishing of the novel with the original illustrations illustrations. and she even has a line uh, when she's putting the kids to sleep just before they are taken by hook Uh, dear nightlights protect my sleeping babes burn clear and steadfast tonight which is from the original play.
1: There's a lot of lines that are directly from the book, but I always assumed you're talking about, oh, the wind just did it. I assumed it was some sort of magic realism where he had some control over that wind, and maybe that sort of connection to nature or something is one of the reasons he came and found him, is he somehow already had this call to that. I put it as more magic realism. I wasn't expecting it to make sense. I I assumed he somehow either was in control of the wind, or it was just he... He didn't get pushed by himself. I assumed it was just some sort of symbolic way of getting him moved, but it really was him.
0: See, now I can accept that a a creature from Neverland coming into the real world would bring some of that magic with them, like Tinkerbell and the Pixie Dust, or uh, like in this movie when Hook comes to take... The children we don't see him but like the doors rattle and open there is green fog rolling in uh the the children's blankets gets thrown off of them as well like there's some weird stuff going on as he is taking them that i can accept and even weird things that happen in neverland i can accept it's things happening in the real world without a neverland character causing them
1: but there's there is at the end when Smee somehow has a double in the real world that's never explained
0: yes I I do have notes on that Uh, in that I have a fan theory
2: that this is Smee escaping Neverland because well because at, at the end he was trying to he was stealing all the gold off the ship and gonna run away I don't think he was he escaping
1: Neverland get... I think he was just escaping that boat because he didn't want to die because he's a coward
2: well so was Hook. he was
1: gonna go hang out with the prostitute
2: well, oh, you God. realize though that as soon as the battle started Hook was standing there face to face with Peter and then all the other pirates run up and push Peter away and Hook just stands there and watches the whole thing the only person he ever fought was Rufio until Pan came up to him at the end well yes
0: he wanted to prove that Pan was worth his time and like he wanted a glorious battle you don't get that if you go to the, the main fight initially you gotta have some lead up cause like you also gotta see the uh, the weird toys that the kids brought with them
2: <laughs> Yeah, I have a list
0: here cause those totally
2: would work in a fight <laughs> so
0: they're pretty fun the kids swing on the ship they bring all this battle stuff with them uh, though before we get to that which is the the third act which maybe we should save that till the end so let's talk about hook in this movie given that the title is hook I think oh, Dustin Hoffman I had
1: background story on this but I need to find where I put my note
0: so Dustin Hoffman as previously discussed is chewing the scenery. I particularly enjoy the psychological torture of Peter's kids. Like, Shmi comes up with the initial idea because he had an apostrophe about Mm -hmm. um, we should get his kids to like you because that is the ultimate thing to destroy peter pan uh and then hook of course appropriates it to himself uh and then i want to say the the main torture he tries is during he tries to give them a lesson uh describing how parents hate children (laughs) yeah and i think everything that he says in the scene are like legitimately fake fears of children.
1: I, I did like the fact that the one thing that really makes Maggie break, not insulting her parents, not saying her parents don't love her, it's she fails the lesson and she yes. loses it. She's like, An F? F? Cause she's like, I'm gonna stick by my parents 100%, I know they love me, but failing a class she can't handle. Well, yeah, it's
0: cause her parents are absolute. Apparently she must have been a good student up until this point, even though she's a terrible actress and needs to get prompted for every single line I and told to smoke I do think she's adorable, it. though. She is pretty great.
1: Um, anyway, so background history on Hook that I have. Apparently, the character of Hook was based on a real person who was a pirate that then became a priest. Or a preacher. But then his past came back to haunt him and it made him super paranoid that, like, the people were going to find out that he used to be a pirate and, like, murdered and pillaged and stuff. And it drove him mad.
0: I wonder if that's why he hates clocks then. Because in this movie they explain where he fears the passage of time because he is getting older. We see him at one point with his wig off and he's he's gone bald. Clearly his eyebrows and mustache are being colored. But it would make sense that he would fear time in that it would be only a matter of time before people discovered his past. Or
1: before he gets eaten by a
2: crocodile. I mean, that was the original thing, was that the crocodile had the clock in its stomach that was ticking, and so that's why he always feared the ticking clock, because he thought the crocodile was coming. But in this movie, it gets changed a little bit to be the passage of time, because it fits with the theme of the movie, so...
0: Oh, uh, also, I have written down here, which I didn't realize, the things that Hook says to these children, which are probably legitimately fears of children, uh, that parents read books to stupefy you to sleep, so that mommy and daddy can get three <laughs> minutes without your repetitive demands. They tell you stories to shut you up. And I will say so that is probably true, too. but it yes. doesn't mean they I mean, don't
1: love you. It just means true. they are losing their mind.
0: But there, it's brilliant examples of wonderful dialogue in this film moira also has wonderful dialogue uh in the scene before they get captured where peter yells at his kids because they have interrupted a work phone call and she takes him to the window and explains that it's a few short years that you have with children where they want you to be around and then after that you're chasing them for their attention and he is missing it
1: it's it's like the movie version of Cats in the Cradle song.
0: Yes. <laughs> but uh, my boy it's, it's it was just like me. Go on.
2: <laughs> when, when she says that, it's like you can kind of see that it's sinking into him, but he doesn't do anything about they, it. There's
1: a lot of times where either Moira or, or his kids will almost bring him back. And you kind of see it paralleled later with, with Jack. There'll be moments where he's almost taken back, but then he's brainwashed again. Because... I think Run they Home Jack. They have that parallel of Jack is becoming like his father whereas Maggie is more like Wendy and Moira where she has kind of that that innocence but also kind of the little prissy British girl even though she's not British but I think she kind of goes back to that part of the the line of believing the stories whereas he Jack throughout this movie in a bad way starts becoming like his father before he gets pulled back but they have it with with Moira at the window but they have it where he does the clock In one of the really early scenes where he's like, I've got to do something. And he gives Jack his clock.
2: I think that was directly after the one when Moira talks to him. He goes to put the kids to bed because they're leaving for the thing. So I think he didn't do anything immediately about it after she said that to him. But they went out to that function and the kids were asleep. So you don't really know if he would have changed just from that little talk. But (laughs) right after that, he ends up being in Neverland anyway. So he ends up...
1: Well, and he also, like, I don't know if this... Really was that, or they just didn't get that sort of speech? But the speech he starts telling is not the same as the part of the speech they, his secretary says earlier. Oh,
0: really? Because it, it didn't cause, have the jokes, but I thought, like, the in, the part where he addresses the trustees was the same. I could be no, wrong.
1: I no, think, I, I think it was different. I think it was more off-the-cuff sounding. Like, he was... I remember it being different. I could be wrong. Someone else will have to look it up. But I think it was different and he, he kind of once he got there and saw Wendy again, he went to the more personal thing. Instead of what was written by whatever guy they mentioned. Yeah,
0: I don't I don't have that.
1: Does a great whatever quarterly report.
0: <laughs> oh, we haven't talked at all about Julia Roberts as Tinkerbell. <laughs>
1: And her off, yeah. her hair gets better. I'd forgotten that her hair gets better about halfway through that movie.
0: Is it where she goes big?
1: No, it's before then. Dumb. It's dumb. It's before then that she starts fixing her hair. Because <laughs> it's real ugly in the first ones. It's this terrible choppy wig. And at some point it gets curlier and it gets redder. But it's before she gets big because she has it when she's big. But she has it for several scenes when she's small. And I was just grateful because that hair in the beginning is so bad. <laughs>
0: I was, I was curious about your hair report, uh, which I think is going to be a recurring feature. So let's talk about the other two hair so things that
1: I noticed.
2: Movie. Yes. How did you feel about Rufio?
1: <laughs> I don't understand how that hair works.
2: I don't remember it being so fake looking. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, it's.
0: I think it's kind of a tri-hawk mullet. Am I remembering this correct? Where the it's- hawks are painted red.
2: It
1: kind of looks like... And
2: the rest of it was just fuzzy black hair. When
1: people with really long hair or really stick-up hair put on, like, a bike helmet and it's sticking through the holes, that's (laughs) what it reminded me of. (laughs) And I I love the character of Ruthio, but his hair is... I don't know. I don't think it exists in this universe. He has to be a lost boy because in the real world, physics doesn't work that way. <laughs> is, uh, while,
2: while we're talking about Rufio, CEO. I don't want to interrupt the hair Rufio. discussion. But but he so he is apparently the leader of the Lost Boys now while Pan has been gone. At the end of the movie, Pan is appointing a new leader because Rufio has died. So that would lead you to believe that he appointed Rufio as the leader before, except from the story that we saw earlier in the flashback, He just kind of randomly decided to stay once he saw Wendy's granddaughter, so he wouldn't have told anyone that he was leaving. So I would think that all of the Lost Boys would hate him anyway because he abandoned them in the first place. Not,
0: well, hate Peter in that he abandoned them? Yes. Okay. Correct. I think you're right on there. I don't believe Peter appointed Rufio. Peter obviously left his soared behind and was planning to come back. And I think Rufio took up the mantle of, like, the big brother and protector of these kids. And that's, you know, been his role. His role has been the pan, which explains why he is so afraid of Pan coming back and doesn't believe exactly. this guy is. but it
2: doesn't explain why all of the other kids are so happy that Pan is back. Because he's because the most th- As fun. soon as they thought he was Pan, they were all excited about it, but if he abandoned you for 40 years, wouldn't you be a little mad at not him? Not
0: necessarily, in that not all the children first believe he's Pan. Even we, after we have the moment where one kid recognizes him, it's only... Four or five children that go across the line, and then they keep flip-flopping. The large majority of the Lost Boys are still on Rufio's side.
1: I have three things. One thing, I mean, I don't think they explained it for well. For all we know, he did go back for, like, a little bit and just be like, hey, I'm leaving. This guy's in charge now. They don't show it, but... Who knows? There's a lot of things I don't show. Two, I don't think Rufio was mad at Pan because Pan was back. I think he was upset because he, one, didn't believe it was Pan. And also, if it was Pan, he's the next leader. He's following after him. If Peter had changed into something that was so completely unlike what they believed in, well, he's the next in line. He had taken over for a pan. He doesn't want to become like that either. He doesn't want this man who is kind of against what their whole thing was about on not growing up. He doesn't want to believe that, that Peter, this person... Because cause when he does finally believe his pan, they have this very heartwarming moment where he's like, no, I'm going to follow you. I think the problem is he didn't want the person he was going would have followed to have become this completely different person. Yes, also, he does not want to
0: follow Peter Banning. Yeah, he, he wants, wants to follow, to follow pan. Peter
1: Pan. I think the other thing is maybe the fact that we have to remember peter isn't the first lost boy who was left he's just the last one we hear about remember if
2: toodles to, mm-hmm.
1: well toodles and and when toodles leaves in the book and in the the disney movie it's a whole group of them that decide to say so this isn't necessarily the first lost boy that's left them yes it's it's their leader and their biggest one but they have had other lost boys leave to grow up So it's not the first person they've had to say goodbye to.
0: Which I think is a slight change from the original source material in that there's a line either in the play or the book where kids grow up in Neverland. It's just Peter is the one boy that doesn't. And if they get to a certain age, they are no longer part of the Lost Boys.
1: Yeah, people tend to forget that because it makes Peter Pan look like a psychopath. Because there's also like lines that imply that he murders some of them.
0: Mm-hmm. There'll so, be no growing up.
1: I mean, we're ignoring that part. This this one is ignoring. Oh, that this one, part but... of
0: the source material we can ignore, <laughs> not the baby part.
1: Well, I think literally every variation ignores that part because originally Peter Pan was supposed to be the bad guy. He was we supposed to be the villain. Whichever part makes okay. Sarah's story the correct ah. story. Peter was supposed well, to originally be the villain, and then when they did the play, they added Captain Hook later because they needed him to make transition scenes easier, and then he ended up kind of becoming the bad guy. He wasn't even originally in the story. But, I mean, that's true to all the source material because in, in one of the variations, I think in the original book, Toodles and Wendy get married. Hmm. Um, obviously, they don't in this one. He's just kind of a man who's lost his literal marbles. But, um, so, there was a whole group in every variation who stayed. And, and decided they wanted to have this family and beyond just the other boys, they wanted those parents. And so there is a history of people leaving them, even if it wasn't always the big Peter because
2: Pan. Because to live is the greatest adventure. Mark, you skip to the end, but it's fine. I know.
1: Podcast over.
2: <laughs> oh, dang
0: it. I guess we got to go on to games. Uh, no, but um, <laughs> Sarah, I did want to go back to the hair report. There is one more hair I wanted your comment on in that when Peter Banning discovered he is Peter Pan he flies through the ceiling of Wendy's house and has changed clothes into the passing Peter outfit and his hair is now spiked or gelled up how did you feel about this
1: I get why they did it they were kind of having this transition midway point between who he was as a lawyer which there are a lot of lawyer jokes in this movie (laughs) And um who he was as a child. And I think we talked about family being one of the big things. I think another big thing that they that is kind of a message of this movie is the idea of balance of the fact that him being Peter Pan wasn't good. He never grew up, he never had this family. That was too far one way. Him being a lawyer who works all the time and doesn't spend any time with his family was also bad. And I think by the end, he's found this middle ground of how to have grown up, but still keep some of that with him.
2: And you even remember because once he remembers that he's Peter Pan. Peter Pan. He's talking with tinkerbell about it and about all the adventures they're going to go on. And she's the one that reminds him about saving his kids. And he said, "Who or so- something?" Where he didn't even remember that that was his which mission. Which doesn't make so sense. he to has me. completely reverted to old Peter Pan as a child, which so, also is
1: shown as being not great. This
0: is after he discovers he's Peter Pan. He flies through. He flies through all of the Lost Boys
2: with the great music in the background.
0: Yes, the music is phenomenal. I don't debate that. But he's still remembers his kids and then he goes visits tink this is the second time we see tink's house uh and in this second time she has stolen his gold Mastercard that sits in her bedroom (laughs) and yeah you're right he has totally forgotten why he came to neverland in the first place
1: i think that's another thing of just the continued thing of neverland having a weird effect on adults and kind of the memory loss, and and maybe his brain just can't handle the two sets of memories at the same time. Brain trauma? I don't know. Maybe. The point is he's gone too far the other direction.
0: To me, this this is the one scene in the movie that could totally be removed. You put in one more line into that Lost Boy scene where we get a shot through Peter's legs when he's in the pan stands, and Rufio comes up with the sword, looks like they're about to start battling, And then Rufio kneels and presents the sword to Peter, recognizing him as the pan. You put one more line in there where, you know... Come on, let's prepare to go save my kids. And you don't need the the entire scene where Tinkerbell goes big and starts to fall
2: in love with him and tries to kiss him. Oh, succeeds at kissing him. I don't understand why they need that scene. Like, or why she has to... She, they try to explain this is the biggest feeling I've ever had. So I had to be big in order to express it. And that doesn't...
1: Also, it's a weird thing that this happens in a different Robin Williams movie, this same plot point. I think it's important not for Peter Pan. I think it's important for Tinkerbell. I think this is finally her... Being able to let go because she's still wanting Peter Pan to turn back into her Peter the whole time before then. She wants that. She wants him to stay. She wants him to be who he was. I think her having her whisk, giving the kiss and then be able to step back and say, no, you have to go on with your life how it is now. I think that's more about her and, and being able to accept that he has grown up more than it is about him.
2: I get it. Mm. I just remember, I don't know, uh, I I have seen the play and maybe read the books, but I don't remember enough about it, but from the Disney animated version, I know she was very jealous any time Peter was around other women, so I could understand the plot point of her falling in love with him. I just I just don't see why she first of all has to get big to talk to him about it for no reason. I guess because that allows her to kiss him.
1: Uh because they had to redo this whole scene in Flubber later. Where yeah. a
2: robot falls oh, in love right, with him. Right, the AI.
0: gosh, that's
2: right. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I don't I don't know. It just that whole scene, I would say the same thing. It could have been removed and the story would still work. I don't it just I don't know why it had to be there.
1: Oh. Sorry, I went to go look at background research and apparently this shouldn't have happened in the real thing because apparently Tinkerbell dies in the original.
2: Is that where the whole clap
0: your hands to bring a fairy back to life? No. Comes from? She
1: survives that one.
0: Okay. Mm. This is okay.
1: after Wendy goes back.
0: Is this where she yeah, drinks poison?
1: She, no. That's the same, that's the same one. Same I, I don't know the source <laughs> material. It, that's in the middle of this thing before he goes to save Wendy from the pirates. is she drinks the poison that's meant for Peter, Peter makes the audience clap. Tinkerbell is fine. This is later, like after after that entire story is done Wendy goes back, it says Peter goes back to talk to an older Wendy find out Tink died and Peter doesn't remember her anymore.
0: I do want to point out so that you are yelling downer. at me but you're also yelling at our entire audience who hasn't seen the play
1: Well, <laughs> it's been recorded on video since like the 60s so get it together <laughs> Come uh, on, Sarah, Mary Martin's once a again,
0: it's insulting an entire section of
2: our audience. We can't rename the podcast podcast to sarah insults the audience <laughs>
1: not my fault they haven't seen the musical
2: should be like sarah insults it all like a clarissa
0: <laughs> oh no sarah insults at all there we go. Yes. Nailed it.
2: Good. Uh, anyway.
1: I wanted to say, ignoring that scene, the scene right before it where he goes through the house and finally remembers Peters I think is another good example of Robin Williams being very subtle, where he's just looking around and, and looking at what is different and saying, this is the chair this person sat in, but it was over here. And him just going through his layout and recognizing things, I think is another one where Robin Williams really is good at subtly showing the awareness, even if you hate the scene after it. Okay. <laughs> (laughs)
0: all right so he's been given three days to become pan so that hook can finally have his war and defeat his greatest enemy uh so the kids are preparing and this scene is wonderful where they're all armoring up uh there's a great practical (laughs) visual effect where there's kind of this wall of reeds that a kid jumps into and comes out on the other side with part of the reeds from the wall now as armor draped over his body uh they another kid is wearing reeds that come down like uh, blinds. Uh, Third one walks through a bunch of spider webs, which I wouldn't be good with, but that's how he suits up. And then they get to the boat, uh, and Peter is being overwhelmed by pirates. The kids come in, and this battle is phenomenal. I cannot overstate how much they deliver on the promise that they gave you in act one. Because the kids- You think so? I think so. (laughs) The, uh, The kids have all these fun gadgets that kids would find really fun they uh so the first thing they do once they arrive they create a wall of mirrors shining the sun into the pirate's eyes and stopping them Wait, in the tracks
2: that's not didn't the first thing they did was swing onto the ship with ropes wasn't it because that would have been fun as a kid they paddled also. out
0: boats and then got launched up to the ship from seesaws that would have been fun as well uh so they they do the mirror wall they have a gun that is specifically for shooting eggs with a live chicken (laughs) providing ammo. Uh, they have a marble gun that gets underfoot of the pirates. They slip around, (laughs) they do what I called butterball bowling, where the largest (laughs) child, uh, kind of goes in a cannonball form and starts rolling into them. Uh, they have a tomato slingshot. And they have a colored water gun, which apparently is toxic because it gets in one of the pirate's eyes and kind of blinds him.
2: Well, and they had the one that shoots like four directions, so he just yells everybody to get down and then it goes all over the place. Yes, and hits that, was, the that was the
0: colored water gun.
2: Although I feel unless the pirates are standing in exactly the right place, that would not <laughs> work very well. Well, no.
0: <laughs> that much I can accept from a fight scene dynamic. I also
2: was not a big fan of the sword fight. Which sword fight? Pan and Pan and Hook was okay, but a lot of them that were going on, it was kind. Of, I mean, it was kind of obvious that they were choreographed and they weren't very intense. It was just here, let me swing my sword a couple times, and sometimes you could tell somebody was expecting a certain thing because they would go to block it before it happened.
0: That is probably true. I did not notice it the two times I watched this. I think it's because the screen is full of different fight scenes. The one thing I did notice is when Peter. First- comes on the ship he starts taking out pirates he is straight up murdering these people like this is a realm where characters can die there are stakes here because it happens to rufio later like these pirates are dead
1: well they mention death a lot in this movie. Like, the Lost Boys mention that what we do is we kill pirates. And uh, Captain Hook says, I've been killing Lost Boys and pirates my whole life. That's what he does. So, like, it's always referred to as these people die.
0: Oh, also, the uh, the first time Peter's on this ship, when he fails to save his kids, he is he's pushed off the plank. Uh, we see him subsequently saved by mermaids who guide him to the Lost Boy village. Tink didn't have a plan and kind of just left him there
2: to die why
1: d- why did tink leave him in the pirates to start with
2: what happened when he showed up at her house and she says oh th- what did she say there you are you made it or, or something like, like she that. didn't
0: have a plan she left him drowning underwater and just went home
1: well in a lot of versions i don't know how we're all at giving background information tinkerbell as as kind of seen as being so small she can only handle one emotion at a time and that's why all of like in the movies and stuff. Her emotions are so polarizing. When she's happy, she's really happy. When she's angry, she tries to murder people. And so I think the way they deal with in this is Tink is just has no attention span. She cannot (laughs) handle thinking about one problem, more than one problem at a time. So my question is, why didn't she just drop him off at the Lost Boy Village to start with so they could have some sort of plan to go into that? No, she just drops him on the wharf. (laughs) She's Uh, a jerk.
0: Yes. uh, Yeah. I want to say she ran out of pixie dust, but that doesn't seem true. Uh, it was so that we could see Peter Banning as a pirate with an eye patch oh, over sh- a pair of glasses. I
1: I do like the just the him being like going having the conversation with the one guy with the arg. How are you? <laughs> I'm well.
0: Great. <laughs> Great. I'm doing okay as too. <laughs> uh, let's see though. The reason he falls in the water, of course, is so they can display the visual effect of the mermaids, where these mermaids wanna mack on Peter Pan as well. Granted, it's like, well, that also it's like happened supporting in an
2: old movie.
1: I mean, I think they needed to show the mermaids at some point. The mermaids are a memorable part of other versions of Peter Pan. And they always are shown as being like real into peter everyone's into peter i think he's he's portrayed as this character who every girl in this loves a good peter well it's he's shown as being <laughs> very true, this dynamic character that, that is very charismatic and people are drawn to
2: he well the ones that they didn't show though was tiger lily
1: they do talk or about any killing of the them. they do talk about them because when Smee is trying to distract Captain Hook, he's like, oh, why don't you go to the Indian village and murder some people? (laughs) You love doing that. been there, done that. For all we know, Tiger Lily is now dead. Captain Hook killed her.
2: (laughs) I mean, without paying there to save
1: her again. And I mean, also, there is the assumption of the the Indian village ages normally. It's just maybe because they have kids. They have family groups. How did that work? So maybe they age normally and Tiger Lily died like years ago because she was supposed to be in her 90s if she's about the same age as Wendy. I don't know how the different groups' ages work. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's never fully explained how aging works in Neverland compared to the real world or how aging works at all in Neverland. Because Captain Hook has aged in Peter's absence, but apparently the boy who recognizes him hasn't.
1: There's a couple that that said they were there because there's the little boy, but it's a different boy that has Tootles' marbles, right?
0: Yes, that is mm-hmm. the larger That's child thudbutt thud butt, that becomes thud butt. the uh, the leader at the end.
1: Which would, if he knew that that was his marbles, would mean he was there um, yeah, at, at the that beginning. point in time, too. Because yeah. uh, Toodles would have left before Peter.
0: Okay, well, let's finish off the, uh, the final battle. So we are up to Rufio uh, fighting Hook, where Peter tries to stop this, but... Good screenwriting. He is called away because his daughter needs him and is being held in a separate area. So he has to go save his daughter. And I love her line here where she sees her dad fighting as Peter Pan because she is so excited and screams daddy and then is immediately, daddy? As to, to not believe this could possibly be him. Uh, but yeah, Rufio, pretty good fighter, though... Like, Hook doesn't need to use any dirty tricks on him. Granted, Hook does have two weapons through Rufio's one, but he seems to defeat him out of skill, as opposed to how he defeats
2: peter he also as rufio walks up to him hands me the sword that's in his hand and picks up a different <laughs> sword to fight him i don't know what if the one sword is special that he will only fight pan with that sword well, it's or possible i but. mean
0: it's so i have a note that hook and peter's swords have a sense of dramatic timing uh, because they spark as they are first hit together yes.
1: i will say that dante basco is great
0: oh i love him in a lot of things. And like this fight scene is legitimately good. It just it ends a bit too quick and it I mean this is dramatic timing as well. When Peter is ready to come over, he flies back to hook just as hook is stabbing Rufio and Rufio dies from a single sword blow while wearing armor.
1: It's like Lord of the Rings. You got to find the weak spot in the dragon.
0: <laughs> Did Rufio's armor have a scale that was missing? I don't
1: but he had, like, it was like, pl- it was made out of like round things. So there was holes in between. Yeah. It wasn't like a solid thing. Round piece.
2: things. Round
1: things. Like, it was like <laughs> dowels. It was made out of dowels.
0: But back to your theory about parenting, Sarah, Rufio's final words to Pan when he f- comes there is that he just wished he had a dad
1: like Pan. And if you think about the fact that he's been trying, basically, been the parental figure to all of the rest of the Lost Boys since Peter left, since he's the leader. That idea of wanting to have had someone else to kind of share that burden and to get to be that kid, I think, goes back with that as well.
0: And this is where we get a very important story beat for Pan as a character, where he is ready for the glorious battle, the final showdown between him and Hook. Like, swords drawn, ready to go, but Jack is snapped out of it, in that he no longer wants to be Hook's child, He's just ready to go home and his dad is right here and he decides, glorious for another day, I'm going to take my kid to go home because that's what he needs right now. And as an audience member, that is slightly disappointing because it has been leading up to this fight the entire movie, but it's very important for the character. So I understand it.
1: And I I think Peter's reaction is kind of Another one of those balance things. He's, he's there for his children finally. And he's not Peter Pan. He doesn't have to be the show-off who wins the fight. He can let it go. And so I think that all kind of probably would have disappointed me as a child. As an adult, I appreciated it.
0: I definitely agree. Uh, so this fight scene between Hook and Pan is pretty amazing. So both of the actors are fighting with both hands throughout the fight. Uh, and oh, Hook has this moment where he's got uh, Peter pushed down on the table, you know, inching his sword closer to his throat. And he goes for the psychological torture again, trying to convince him, you're not Peter Pan, you know, this is only a dream. And it, it kind of makes me think there are several times in this movie where you could have like a Jacob's Ladder type of plot where none of this is actually happening. Please no. <laughs> where like... Before Tinkerbell comes in, for instance, let's say this drunken father who's has just lost his kids, basically lost everything, decides he's going to fall off the open balcony onto the stone floor. This could all be his fever dream as he is lying uh, on the ground after trying to commit suicide. Also, when he gets hit in the head with a baseball, is the first time that he uh, sees his shadow move. It's the first time he sees sees his former self in like a pool of water so that could be an off point where the baseball hit him in the head killed him this is all his last thoughts before he dies.
2: That was, um, something that I had thought of because they bring up the fact that he's just dreaming Well, he had been drinking when he lost his kids, and he wakes up just outside next to a statue when he gets home. He didn't, like, come home with the family, he just wakes up out there, and that's when he sees Mr. Smee wandering around picking up trash off the street, so... It's like how much of that could have just been his imagination while he was drunkenly laying out outside. Right. Also, when he comes back
0: to the real world, he has changed clothes. And like you said, he's fallen asleep. If he was flying back like his children were, why didn't he come awake
2: and in his pan outfit?
1: Because he's real bad at flying still.
2: Well, he also may not have wanted to show up here in his pan outfit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's possible. But let's finish this fight scene between Hook and Peter Pan, uh, where Pan has bested him in a fight, removed him from his sword. He goes and offers the sword back to him because it's good form. And Hook takes his hook and leaves a a, gl- uh, a scar on Peter's left arm They keep fighting back and forth. Peter bests him once again and Hook, uh, he removes Hook's wig. We see that he's bald and Hook is on his knees begging for good form so that he can have a sword run through him in the middle of battle with his dignity, with his hair. And this is where... It's all about the hair. Yes. Uh, And this is where Maggie comes up and tells him he's just a guy who never had a mommy because she doesn't want to see her dad kill someone even though he's already done it a bunch.
1: And I think I think it's interesting that she's the one I mean it's probably partly because she's disconnected she doesn't have this decades long rivalry she's able to see Hook for what he really is which is yeah he's a man who kills stuff, but in the end he's not I don't know he's just not as scary he's kind of just pathetic
0: yes I can definitely see that he is obsessed uh, which I think is part of his psychosis is that he doesn't had a battle I think he thinks clearly in terms of battling people I think when he is in times of peace is where he starts to get a little psychosis because he is not he doesn't fit in that world though the the way that they corner hook down is all of the lost boys have brought like big alarm clocks with them and Hook is basically uh, corralled into the central area with the alligator clock or croc clock if you will uh, and I'm curious as to where these clocks came from given that Hook was destroying every clock on the island
1: well he probably didn't go into the lost boys village they probably have they they know they've been fighting him for generations they know it's his one weakness they probably you
2: know he has been there though true because peter when he gets into the room that tinkerbell tells him that hook was the one that destroyed everything but that has
1: been at least 30 years they probably had have had some time to build up their clock empire again
2: yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) with the onset of a clock fire i like it uh anyway So,
1: know your enemy, guys. So,
0: they decide they're going to let him live. Hook is not okay with this because he is so ready to die. Uh, And so, he goes for a final attack against Peter. Tink intervenes and prevents him. And he ends up smashing his hook into the croc clock. And this clock of a dead crocodile has a vendetta against Hook in that. One blow, removes all the structure of it, and it collapses onto him.
2: And what, him. What I read was part of the reason that some critics, well, I don't know if it was why the critics didn't like the movie, but I guess there were issues during filming. And originally, the crocodile was actually supposed to come back to life and chase Hook somewhere. And the ending that we got in the film was just kind of improvised at the last minute because I don't know if it was budget constraints or timing or something, but somehow they couldn't do the ending that they originally planned, so they just did what happened.
1: I don't know. Hearing about what it could have been, I think that ending would have aged a lot worse than this one. Yes. You're
2: probably I think right. So too, because it was supposed to be, I think they said it was going to be like stop motion animation oh, stuff, no, no. too, and so... It would not have been very yeah that
0: would not have fit in this film at all no i don't think so the one thing i noticed that kind of made it okay is when he stabs the crocodile you see some dust come out of this hollow shell of a body he has just stabbed and it's kind of the same green fog we saw rolling in when the children were kidnapped so maybe there's something magic going on in there possibly
1: there's weird stuff the fairies were made out of laughter i believe anything can happen i do like that base it isn't peter that is his downfall he is his own downfall his his obsessiveness
0: yes and his
1: paranoia him, and
2: his fears come to get him
1: and it and it physically yes. manifests in an alligator crocodile Which, it's a crocodile I
2: mean and you can show a parallel of that to Peter himself as Carl says paranoia because it that's what at the beginning was ruining Peter was he was so paranoid about everything and I I guess I don't know where I'm going with this but <laughs> he was he was paranoid a lot at the beginning definitely now I do have a question for you
0: guys so the clock falls on him we see the mouth kind of engulf him though he's still standing on the ground. They the lost boys surround it. They're surprised to learn that he is now missing and the croc does burp, but do you think he is dead? Because he yeah. just yes. kind of disappears.
2: I well think he's actually dead. if you watch it close enough you can see that he jumps up into the crocodile's mouth. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess that is not supposed to be something that you pay attention to. Yeah. I think he's dead. <laughs> okay. Because with all the, well, with the world travel of
0: in and to and from Neverland, to me, it, there's a possibility in my mind that he may have been transported to another world, which maybe it is the world of the afterlife.
1: Maybe he got transferred to the real world and Peter Banning's next law case, he's going to be the other lawyer. And then it's just going to be like Ally McBeal... Peter oh, Pan edition with
2: the unisex bathroom. With his hair, he should be the judge.
1: Except they're not British. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's
1: British lawyers that wear wigs.
2: Yeah,
0: so that is a a fan theory I had at the beginning that Hook is bored because he is he is basically Alexander weeping that there is no more worlds to conquer in Neverland because he's defeated all the pirates. He's defeated pretty much all the Lost Boys. He's tired of killing them and the Indians. And he can travel to the real world, which he does to get Peter's children. I think he should just live in the real world and find new challenges there.
1: And he could get hair transplants.
0: Could get hair transplants. Don't Any- have
1: to wear the wig anymore.
0: Anyway, let's finish this off once again. In that we've gotten to the final fight scene. Clock has fallen, swallowed. Um, Hook, who we we believe to be dead. Uh, Peter has tink spread pixie dust over his children they think of one happy thought which again to your point is their parents maggie choosing her mother and jack choosing for the first time his father Uh, and they start to fly peter uh, flies back to his boys appoints the leader gives the sword to the largest child saying i need you to protect everyone smaller than you uh, and then flies back to the real world. The scene where the kids come in,
1: I love breaks the scene. my heart,
0: makes me cry every and, single time.
1: And one, it's it's just a really touching scene, and I think it's also a really parallel scene because in a lot of versions of Peter Pan, I know they do it in the musical. Wendy's mother, when they come back, is doing the same thing. She is waiting. Has they talk about that her parent, her mother has been waiting for them to come back. I think that's in the musical. And so I think it's a parallel to, to the fact that Moria is is really this kind of the next generation of this Windy line of being that kind of good example of what an adult is. Because before in the play, being an adult isn't a scary thing, a terrible thing. And Windy has always been seen as growing up into the kind of adult that you want to grow up into. That it's not a scary thing. It's it's just kind of this next adventure. And I think Moria kind of paralleling that that sitting in the chair by the window, which is used in a, a lot of different scenes in different Peter Pan things. One of the mothers sitting by the window waiting for people to come, I think is just a great parallel to other versions of Peter Pan. And it's just, it's really sweet.
0: Yeah, the, the line that gets me, because the, the kids fly in, they look at their mother and don't quite remember her. It's like they've seen her in a dream before and don't really know who she is. So they decide to get back into bed. And when the mom wakes up, she's talking to Wendy. And the line that gets me is that I've seen them in their bed so much in my dreams. I now even see them when I'm awake. And that the mom doesn't believe the kids could actually be there. And then they burst out of bed and come and give her just the biggest hug. Oh, it tears me up every time. Well,
1: and Maggie Smith's Wendy is the first person. And just watching because she's facing the beds. Moira's facing away, and she's talking about, I I still see them in their beds when I wake up. Maggie Smith's face just subtly changes into, no, it's not a dream. They're there. And it's just this reveal of, and then her spinning around. Oh, it was. Yeah,
0: and part of it is the woman who plays Moira's uh, acting in this, in that the look that she gives to reunite with her children is what really sells the scene for me. But Peter, we've discussed, wakes up in the street uh, next to a fountain uh, of Peter Pan, because they had to get that in somewhere. And he decides to climb up the drain pipe to the window because he has run out of pixie dust. Does Peter Pan need pixie dust?
2: I thought he did. Well, uh, maybe not, because I guess Tinkton never gives him pixie dust in, in in any of the at least the movie versions that I've seen. But maybe in the real world, he can't fly without it. Except that he has done it before when he came to exactly. Get so so like, that's a good maybe.
0: Point. When he comes to the bedroom, he's already loaded up on pixie dust. But I mean, he is surprised to learn that the children cannot fly innately which is why he has Tink sprinkled dust all over them.
2: Although you did see just before that he tried to jump over the wall and like a flip and landed on his face. And that's when he realized that he couldn't fly anymore. So that could have been part of it. But I just think it's interesting how different he is now. And I I want to see the sequel to this movie and see what happened to his career because (laughs) he just answers the phone and then throws it away again and climbs up the drain pipe so it's like well i think
0: the obvious answer may not be interesting to watch that he is much poorer but much happier with his family yeah so we get a scene here where toodles gets his marbles back the one thing peter has brought with him from neverland is toodles marbles around his neck toodles gets these back is so happy to receive his good thoughts back, which is what these marbles represents. And we learn that in this satchel is some pixie dust that Toodle sprinkles over himself and then flies out the window.
1: I assume that fairies are kind of like dogs. They just shed everywhere, so there's just Everything in, like, the Lost Boys village is just covered in pixie dust because she just kind of sheds it. That
2: would explain why Peter can always fly, though. <laughs> yes.
0: Though, thank you for reminding me, this film needed more Nanny. I loved Nanny. How did they
1: both fit in that doghouse, though?
0: I don't That wasn't that know. big a
1: doghouse, and both him and a giant dog fit inside it completely.
0: Uh, so, do you guys believe that Tootles is off to Neverland once again? Well,
2: yeah. Because he flew off to the star at the end, right before the credits. Does he? Okay.
0: Because he he goes to Big Ben, he swings around the big pole at the top, and then he starts doing loop-de-loops. I don't know if he made it to the second star to the right.
2: I thought he did, but maybe, I mean, he would have to fly all the way there, so it might have taken him a little bit longer time than they had to show to us in the final 30 seconds. And the
0: last line we get here is one that Mark has already revealed. Mark, would you like to do another reading of this line?
2: (laughs) I will let you handle it this time. Well, I'll give you the (laughs) lead. Because I
0: spoiled it already. It's fine. Uh, So, Wendy goes to Peter's telling him that it's sad that his adventures are over. And he says, no, to live would be an awfully big adventure, which to me plays back to Hook's lines where he is wanting to die because death is the last adventure he has left. And Peter's saying, no, living is by far more adventurous.
1: I will say that the to die would be an awfully big adventure is an actual quote from the book. So it's another one where they direct quote the book.
0: All right, that is it for our long-form coverage of the plot. Let's go on to games. So our first game is the pitch game, where you are describing it to a Hollywood producer or a friend who has never seen this film before, describing it as a combination of two different properties in the phrase, this meets this. So I'm going to start here. Well, before we do, how many of us used Peter Pan?
1: I did not.
2: I purposely didn't because I thought it was too... Really? I
0: thought it is easy and obvious, but I assumed each of us would have at least one, because that is my first one, which is it's Peter Pan meets The Born Identity.
1: (laughs) I think I'd watch that movie.
2: Yeah, that would be pretty fun.
1: My first one ignores all of the magic and just is more about the sort of people. And I had Home Alone meets The Sandlot, because the main part is a group of kids. And they build a lot of weird contraptions in that movie. They
0: sure do. I like it. I like that a lot.
1: Macaulay Culkin might just be Peter Pan in that movie.
2: (gasps) Okay, so because a man has his children taken away from him... And because it's a man who is kind of estranged from his family at the beginning, but learns to love them, it is Taken meets The Family Man.
1: <laughs> I did almost put The Family Man as one of mine.
2: Oh, right. Is that
0: the Nick Cage movie? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes.
1: Where he learns to to become one with his past self who was a better person.
0: Right. So my second one, uh, since this is... A story with fighting, revenge, sword fights with both hands, challenges, true love, and (laughs) a film with Robin Williams' character growing up far from his homeland and being summoned back there for most of the events of the film... This is
2: Princess Bride meets Jumanji.
1: Ah, Jumanji.
2: I had thought about Jumanji, but I did, I couldn't think of one to go with it, so I just left it off.
1: So I did another one where it deals with a group of children getting into nonsense, and also because this has a lot of aspects of, I mean, it's fantasy, but there's a lot of aspects more of magic realism, because the real world does exist, but the rules aren't quite right. I did The Goonies meets Big Fish. Ah, uh. mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd watch the shit out of that. All right, finishing us off. I have one more. So since this is a property with Dante Basco playing a master swordsman who favors wearing the color red and...
1: (laughs) I know where this is going. (laughs) Yep.
0: Uh, Robin Williams playing a character with supernatural abilities that started as a cartoon character adventuring to save his kidnapped child from a sea captain this is avatar the last airbender the tv series meets the 1980 robert
2: altman film popeye
1: the last time pop i got to mention
2: i swear that this was supposed to be a movie meets a movie not a tv show
0: we've done radio shack before mark
1: that's true was that me
0: <laughs> i read? think i may have used it as well but yes it's it's really anything that has a cultural touchstone <laughs>
1: Speaking of cultural touchstones, that Mighty Mouse reference didn't age well,
0: today. Oh, no, it sure <laughs> didn't. Oh, what, what's the one he says to the kids? Is it like um, Village of the Damned? The one where it's a child society. Uh, Lord yeah. of the
1: Flies. Lord, of the, cul- Lord yeah. of the Flies.
2: I think we already talked about that, too. But yeah, yeah. he did reference that. <laughs>
0: All right. So our second game is alternate taglines, where you uh, give a phrase or sentence that would appear on a movie poster, uh, kind of giving the theme of the movie, though intentionally missing the point. So the actual taglines for this film, uh, one we had mentioned before, which is, what if Peter Pan grew up? What would that look like? Um, Eh? eh? Uh, Another one we have here is Peter Pan just got big. The third I actually really enjoy, it's Hook, Lawyer, Father, Legend. So I'm going to start us off with a a semi-good one, because it's hard to write bad ones for films. Um, It was a line of the film that I really enjoyed, and I think it matches kind of the phrases of the other taglines. It's Hook, Peter Pan's got kids.
1: Uh, my first one is just Hook. Too many celebrity cameos.
0: Oh, because I
1: remembered another one. Jimmy <laughs> Buffett's in it too. Is yeah. he? Is he wasting yeah, he
0: away somewhere? Trying to steal the
1: shoes. No, he's <laughs> trying to steal shoes.
0: Oh, go- Okay. Oh, why are there so many music people in this film?
2: I thought there were more, though, even. I just don't remember who all of them were because I didn't really care. But <laughs> I, I, I looked things up, and I never wrote any of it down, so I probably just don't remember it very well. Okay, for the tagline here, I'm going back with the alliteration for you because you won't like it so much last Ooh. time. I sure did. I have Hook, Peter Pan's Paranoid Parenthood.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do like that.
2: That's really good. I like that a lot. All right, my second one is
0: Hook, second star to the right and straight on till middle age. <laughs>
1: that could be a real one. Yes. Uh, mine is Hook, pirate family counseling. It also just sounds like an advertisement for his like post-pirate career.
0: Yeah. Oh, that'd be a crazy career in the real world. That's what the sequel should be,
2: is these characters all in the real world. That, well, that's a TV show called Once Upon a Time. Yeah, but
0: I don't, no, want, I don't I mean, want all I, the other ones. I just want these specific yeah, yeah. actors in and these specific And none of them roles. have, like,
1: super normal jobs. I just want, like, a guy in, like, leaf clothing trying to be, like, a prosecuting lawyer or something.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, my final one is Hook. You ain't never had a dad like me.
1: Do, 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 do. i made it bad <sighs> enough that we won't get copyright
0: there you Drake. go good oh, planning uh, way to think ahead
2: because <laughs> it sounded so much like the real song too uh, I
0: know. all right so our final game is the guide game where are we giving a netflix or a tv guide oh. description to describe the plot of the film though also intentionally missing the point so i am again going to start <clears throat> A former leader returns to his lost homeworld and regains his previous title and ceremonial sword only to give it all away willingly in the end.
1: That makes it sound real cool.
0: (laughs) Uh, To Uh, me, it puts like a King Arthur spin on it.
1: I never do ones that sound serious. I always make them sound worse.
2: Well, go ahead. Mine
1: is, man plays with children instead of finding his own kidnapped kids.
2: (laughs) But but it's true. Yes, it's very good. Um. A hardworking father is waylaid from his career when his needy wife and kids convince him that acting like a child is more important than providing for your family.
0: Oh, (laughs) Oh. So this one Sarah will probably disagree with based on our previous discussion, but I like it anyway. Uh, A 12-year-old boy decides in an instant, based on looks alone, who he is going to spend the rest of his life with, breaking the hearts of his two closest female friends surprisingly 30 years later this has all worked out fine
1: mine does involve the ladies in my next one i do disagree with that but i also think it's funny so (laughs) you're fine carl yes uh mine is uh kidnap children remind man of past flings i
2: (laughs) i would only disagree with carl's on the point that he probably had more than two female friends i said his two
0: closest female friends What about Uh, Tiger Lily? Well, all right. I don't remember her.
2: I feel like he was pretty much in love with her, but maybe that's just me.
0: So we are going to go on to our ratings. The first rating, of course, is our potato scale, where we rate the emotional effect of the movie, kind of the emotions it'll affect in you as an adult in terms of our relationships with potatoes. So what do you guys have? What is Hook in terms of potatoes?
2: I have thoughts. So I I think I have a nostalgic personality because watching these movies I always just relive the old emotions I had from watching them. I like the movie because you get that family feeling I think from it and in the end he comes back to loving his family and cares about them more than his job. So I would we have the mashed potatoes which is the heartwarming feeling Um, Out of all the other ratings, the only other one I could really put that with was the Five Guys Fries, because I think out of everything we've reviewed so far, this one is probably my favorite. So I would put it somewhere between the mashed potatoes and Five Guys Fries.
1: I did exactly the same thing. This is probably going up with Homeward Bound and the ones we've watched is one of my favorites. I mean, it made me almost cry several times and I don't super cry during movies, but I think one of the things that really helps it age well is the fact that there are characters of all different age levels that you can relate to. So it's not like only kids, well, well, now I'm an adult, I don't quite get their logic anymore. As you get older, you can relate to the idea of you understand why he's gotten distracted from the family. You understand these challenges and all this sort of stuff. So I think that's what helps it ages because there's still characters for you to kind of relate to no matter how old you are and that allows you to continue to love it. So I I did five guys and mashed potatoes.
0: Okay. Um kind of sounds delicious. Yeah. I <laughs> need I I definitely agree. Um so I will give it a five guys fries. I will temper that with um are there black potatoes?
1: <laughs> Racist?
0: No, just the uh, <laughs> black is also associated with uh, very dark subject matter.
1: Sorry, it was just the way you said it. <laughs> black potatoes.
0: Because, yeah, I don't know if... Oh, black potatoes are a thing. Great, it's going on our scale. Yeah, so Five Guys Fries made of We did these. have
1: blue potatoes for adult downer.
0: Right, but this is sad. That's not what that's I don't not what know if it's for... I don't know if it's a downer as an alt, though, because it's kind of a happy sadness in many scenes. The black potatoes, how I want to use it, is that I don't know if I could show this to a child because it is very dark subject matter. Like it is legitimately frightening at the beginning where you see uh, the, the fog rolling in and all this poltergeist stuff going on and the children screaming as they are whisked away. And then the parents coming home to find... Nothing there, just the aftermath of what's happening.
1: That did not scare me as a child, but I might also be slightly heartless.
2: I agree. (laughs) I mean, you get that thrill at first when when all the wind comes in, but after that it was just like, okay, well now Peter Pan's gonna go save them, so. Yeah, also it's,
0: it's dark that Peter's son gives up on him. Like that scene where he's in the clock shop, which is where he's becoming Hook's son, essentially. And he is allowing himself to be brainwashed is also very dark in that it's the object of the thing he's trying to save the most in the world giving up on him.
1: See, I would still put that as adult downer because those are sort of things to me, as a child, they didn't affect me. The idea of losing children in any sort of way, I I was pretty whatever about. (laughs) I didn't care. Now as an adult having, I mean, I don't have kids, but I I spent a lot of time Teaching kids through different things as, as a counselor and things like that. The idea of coming and having one of your children, you're responsible, being gone, that scares me now more than it did as a kid. So it's something that on older, further reflection is a downer for me. It wasn't a downer when I was a kid.
0: See, it would get me because I think one of my fears as a child was being alone, being isolated from my parents. And oh, my fear was just Definitely, you know, being scared... <laughs> <laughs> being scared of the dark as well so my rating is going to be i think you're right with the blue potatoes let's say five guys fries made of black and blue potatoes
1: maybe oh you have bruised potatoes yes now.
0: exactly all right let's go on to our second rating scale which is a rewatchability scale so on from zero to ten we haven't had a zero yet but we have gotten close um i think it's fairly straightforward zero and burn all copies 10, shoot this into space so that other alien cultures can appreciate it as well.
1: I gave it a 9.
2: Agree. I, I was thinking 9 or 10, but I I find it difficult to give anything a perfect score, so I always tend to stay at a 9 instead of a 10. Okay. But...
0: So, Mark, for you, what prevents it from being perfect? And Sarah, I guess this, this works for you as well. Mark just <clears throat> is more vocal. Well, we had... A-
2: we had our certain scenes that we already talked about that we didn't Julia really like. Julia Roberts' hair. That, yes, that could have <laughs> been taken out and the movie would still have worked. So if if there were certain scenes that were not there or maybe had been done differently, um, I think it would have bumped it up a little bit higher even. But, but there are certain parts of it that just didn't seem to fit and didn't really work.
1: See, for me, I'm the opposite. I didn't want scenes taken out. There was a couple places where I wish there was more scenes put in. Like maybe a couple more kind of explaining how the rules of Neverland work. Because, I mean, in any fantasy thing, there's always going to be like plot holes where things don't quite come together when you're making up a whole system of reality. But also I think I wish there was a couple, maybe not a flashback, but but something more to explain which ones of the Lost Boys knew him and and how kind of that group was before he left because they it a lot of stuff with people recognizing him eventually and saying stuff about what he used to be like but i wish there was just a little more of that building but other than that i i love this movie it's one that i've seen more recently than some of the others because if it's on tv i will sit and watch it
0: so unsurprisingly my rating is also a nine i think this is <laughs> our first movie where we are unanimous with our rating uh, so I want to be clear to to listeners. In my mind, you should see this film. I highly recommend it. The cinematography is great. The score is amazing. If you like John Williams' other works at all, you will love this. Uh, they Beautiful have,
1: soundtrack.
2: That was the music was the sole, not the only reason, but. Hearing some of the songs from the movie within the last couple of weeks is what made me want to pick this movie to review. So it music is a big part of it for me.
0: There are practical visual effects that still hold up. The set design is amazing where you go from the bedroom, which is supposed to be nostalgic, to the pirate cove where ships are hanging in rafters everywhere, to the Lost Boy
1: village. Really good details on the sets that make them all feel like individual locations. They're it's completely interesting that their own you say thing.
2: that. I again, one of those reviews that was saying that it, that that the critics didn't like it when it came out was that they said in Neverland it just looked like a set. And they didn't like how it looked because it was too much like just a Hollywood set with a bunch of stuff on it. (laughs) Mm. I I admit some of them especially... It does look like a set, but it doesn't look like a
0: backlot. It it doesn't look like an unfinished set. Right.
2: And I think because it's Neverland, it needs to look more fantasy than the real world anyway. So it worked for me to be that way because it wasn't supposed to look the same as the real world.
1: You can definitely tell like in... In the Lost Boys camp, yeah, those aren't necessarily real trees. They're on some sort of fake lot. But just really the thing that sold it for me, there's the little details. And, and I looked at some of them, and I can't remember the ones, but there's a lot of where they'll point out, well, this someone's teddy bear shows up in a, in different locations kind of showcasing the people that had lived there before. And it's these little details that they don't point out, but if you notice it, you get kind of like, oh, it's, it's building it into a real place.
0: Absolutely. And like... They have well-named actors, but like there's no one actor or actress that is hard to watch. Everyone is doing their job amazingly well and selling the character they are there to portray. And then the fight choreography, maybe didn't work for Mark, but still worked for me very well. Uh, So the things that I had problems with are those scenes we've previously discussed. Also the painted whores are the only women we see in that Pirate's Cove. And there's a scene where they're at the baseball game and one removes uh, Hook's hook to put on a baseball mitt and almost kind of, she makes sexual noises as she does it. Um, And it's, it's uncomfortable to see as an adult, even though a child wouldn't understand what those sounds are for.
1: Julia Roberts also makes real weird noises during that kissing with Robin Williams, and I'm like, <laughs> why is she doing that? I wonder if the fact that the fact that the only women you see there are the prostitutes is they're the only women that want to be there.
0: That's maybe fair. it's kind of
1: showcasing the fact that that women uh, girls tend to mature earlier, and I think that is the thing in the original thing with Wendy is the one who's being expected to grow up and take this mother thing. Maybe it's the fact that they get the any girls that would be there. Don't want to stay there and so the only ones that say there are ones that are a little more scurvy with the pirates and stuff like that like the other ones are like yeah this was fun can i go home and like find a place where i can get a burger now
0: Uh, uh, all right so that's gonna do it for ratings nine across the board for all of us uh so our final feature as always is guys i learned something today So watching this movie, there's a lot of things you can learn from Captain Hook in child psychology and how to ruin children. Uh, But the major lesson comes from the end of the film, uh, where Peter Pan is trying to decide a leader. He decides that it should not be based on birthright or divinity or some sort of lineage. It should be based on size and If I'm to take this from this film, it means that Andre the Giant should have been king of the world. So that's going to do it for this episode of Retrograding. Join us next time when we go through what movie is coming up next. Good night, everybody. All right. So that it is that is is that is it for so, so start with you. Yeah, I'll start off. Then we'll go to Sarah, then Mark, then me, Sarah, me, me until I'm done. So me, me, Sarah, Mark. <laughs> me, 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 me. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, we figured, we can do math.
0: Well, can well, we? well. All right. Ooh. All right. Our ratings. The first rating, oh, of course, about those. great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Keep going. Yes, the first rating, of course, is our pet-
1: Mora, 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 whatever Moira. I think it's greatly
0: Moira. Mo- I can't even say. Yes, Moira, I think- Moira. They're pretty. <laughs> oh gosh. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't even know where we. Yeah i'm sorry
0: all right hold on
1: cut it all out cut it
0: great great i don't goodness. know how to
1: turn this phone off
0: oh can't you just take it off its hook well i guess no. not to use it as well
1: it's a cordless phone